Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So excited to be with you today. feel like I'm uh, with family because this is the second service, so I'm with a lot of people that also like the snooze button on their um, alarm. So glad to be, glad to be with you today. Like, I see, like you said, my name's Tyler, and this is my beautiful wife, Sephra. Can we just give Sephra another round of applause? Awesome. I just love her so much, and she's so great in everything that I do, like I couldn't do without her. So um, we've been married almost four years. Uh, July 27th will be four years, and yes, I know the date. So um, that, is, uh, that is exciting. We don't have any kids yet, but we hopefully will have a few on the way uh, in the next couple of years. So we're getting excited for that. Um, I want to have, there's so many cute babies in this church. It's like, anyway, I'm getting Getting baby fever. Anyway, um, like he said, uh, we moved here. Um, we moved back to Minnesota from Florida. You might ask, why would you move from Florida to Minnesota? Um, because Florida is awful. It's the worst. And we got here a week ago, and we stopped sweating yesterday. So um, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty hot down there. Um, but uh, the reason we part of the reason we came back is I grew up in Apple Valley, Minnesota. Um, and Sefer grew up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, so we kind of wanted to come back up and be closer to family. That's where our family's at, um, and so we're just excited to be uh, be back up here. And like he said, we've been down in Florida at the Florida School of Discipleship, formerly known as Fort Myers Master's Commission, um, and so we uh, spent three years there in the program as students, and then uh, we came on staff, and we've been working down there for four years. Uh, we, we finished our fourth year, and then we came back up here. So that's where we've been ministering. Um, fun fact about me, uh, growing up when I was a kid, um, uh, I know there's the first five books of the Bible, or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, but I was thoroughly convinced that Joshua Judges Ruth was one book um, about basically something along the lines of Law and Order Old Testament. Um, and so I always wondered, I'm like, what did Ruth do that was so bad that Joshua judged her and like her trial got recorded in the Bible? But um, yeah, so the, they brought the best and the brightest to speak to you today. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, found out last week that's not the case. Anyway, um, oh, and, and this is a, this, yesterday was my first time. I grew up 18 years in Apple Valley multiple times visiting while we were in Florida. Yesterday was the first time I've ever been to Duluth. So I feel, I know, I feel like I just became an official Minnesotan. Uh, even though I lived here forever, was born here. It became real yesterday. So uh, that was a lot of fun, and it's a beautiful city, and we really enjoyed it. All right, okay, that's enough about me. Uh, let's get to the good stuff, which is Jesus and his word. So I'm going to pray to kick us off uh, today. Dear Lord, um, I just thank you for what you have to say. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would soften our hearts to hear what you want to speak to us, God. Lord, we have an opportunity to encounter your presence, so I pray that we would and that we would walk away changed from what you have to say to us today. In your name, amen. All right, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 10, uh, starting out, and um, in this section of scriptures, um, Jesus is talking about, he's kind of using two different analogies. He's talking about himself as being uh, the shepherd and also as the gate to the sheep pen. So that's kind of what's going on. He's discussing this with his disciples, and we're going to pick it up in verse 7. It says, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. 
I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And this is the key verse right here. Uh, Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So this is, a, this is a strong passage of scripture, and this is a great chapter in the Bible, and we don't have time to get into all the concepts, so I would encourage you to uh, really go through John chapter 10, especially if God speaks to you um, something today, and, and go through in your personal time and see if there's anything else that the Holy Spirit illuminates to you out of this uh, passage of scripture. But today, uh, we're going to focus on Jesus as our shepherd. That's, that's uh, going to be our main focus today, is Jesus as our shepherd, and I uh, met Miss Deb earlier, and she actually is a shepherd. So there's a lot of pressure in this sermon because I'm preaching to somebody who actually is a shepherd. So if I say anything wrong, just stand up and go, no, that's not how it is. Um, actually, please don't because that'd be really embarrassing. But anyway, uh, so uh, Deb is a good shepherd, but Jesus is the good shepherd. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. So the Bible, um, a lot of times in the Bible, um, we'll see imagery be used. Uh, it'll you know, either, and Jesus uses it a lot too, and that's to help us understand deeper concepts about God, because I, Jesus could have spent a lot of time describing, you know, and laying out like literally what he is, but instead of, instead of doing that, he said, I'm the good shepherd to kind of sum it up and and create a word picture in your, in your mind that you can help, that can help us understand uh, some of the deeper concepts. So, when we think of Jesus as our good shepherd, just take a second and think, what comes to mind when you think of a good shepherd, when you think of, of a good shepherd? Uh, what is that picture in your mind? A few things I have written down. Uh, Jesus is our protector. He cares for us like a shepherd cares for his sheep. He guides us. He disciplines us when we need it, right? Because sometimes the sheep like to wander off and they need a little whack, get back with the flock moment. Um, Uh, Jesus is close to us. It talks about in John chapter 10 that he speaks to us and we recognize his voice. He lays down his life for us. A good shepherd will lay down their life for their sheep. He loves us and he's an authority figure in our lives. These are just some of the things that Jesus as being our shepherd helps us to understand that concept. So, okay, we get it. Jesus is our shepherd, but now what? See, the big idea for this sermon is this. Jesus is our shepherd, so how does that change me? How does that change me? Anytime we come into, um, anytime we come in contact with the truth in Scripture, we should always be asking ourselves, how does this affect my life? What about my perspectives, uh, my beliefs, or my actions are going to be different because of this truth that I've come in contact with? You see, if we just simply listen to the words of the Bible or read it, um, but it doesn't change anything in us. Uh, Jesus says that we're like a foolish builder that builds our life on shifting sands. And as soon as the storm comes, our foundation will crumble up. Or in James one twenty two, it says, do not merely listen to the words and so deceive yourself, do what it says. And he goes on to say that somebody who just listens to the word of God or just reads it, but doesn't apply it is like somebody who goes up to a mirror and looks in the mirror and then instantly forgets what they, what they look like. And the reason we look into a mirror is to see what we need to fix, right? When I wake up in the morning, I'm looking rough. So I go to the mirror to see where I'm looking rough, and I try to adjust it um, so 
when I go out in public, I'm not looking hideous. Uh, it's a tough battle every morning, tough battle. Um, but God's word does the same thing for our lives, shows us uh, these are the areas that you need to work on, and it takes it one step further and shows us how to work on those things. So we need to apply the truth of, the, of God's word. Um, and whenever we have a real encounter with God, he's so incredible, he's so holy, so awesome, so mighty, so um, majestic, that when we have a true encounter with him, it always changes us. It always changes us. So today we're going to have an encounter with God as our good shepherd. And we're going to see what aspect of that, of that component of our relationship with God can change us. So we're going to go to one of the most famous passages of scripture, one that talks about God as a shepherd, uh, and that's going to be Psalms 23. So that's going to kind of be like our main text for today. Um, but here's the risk with preaching Psalms 23 is all of you know Psalms 23. You could probably quote it. You've probably heard it a million times uh, growing up in church. Um, even people that don't go to church know Psalms 23. They've heard it before. Uh, so it can be easy when you know the scripture that's being preached on to kind of be like, okay, I know what's going to happen um, and tune it out. But the cool thing is that the Holy Spirit wants to say something new to each and every one of us today through this scripture that we might already be familiar with. See, Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to penetrate our souls. And so God today, even though you may be familiar with this passage of scripture, I would challenge you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what's something new that you want to bring to me? Because if, if the, God's word is living and active, then that means it has stuff for us. It has new truths. It has new things for us all the time. It's living. And it wants to, he wants to use it to change our lives and sharpen our souls. Uh, he has something new to say to every one of us today. So I hope that we can all, me included, be open to uh, the Holy Spirit's voice and what he's saying. Um, and then I should also say, this isn't going to be a typical three-point sermon. Um, that's, I generally speak like that when I, when I preach, but for this, for this passage of Scripture, it seemed better to just move through verse by verse and really kind of mine out the, the truth in each verse. So we're just going to go verse by verse instead of going... Uh, point by point, and I hope that that's okay. So as we go to Psalm 23, keep this question in mind. God is my shepherd, so how does that change me? All right, verse, or I'm going to read the whole thing for you today. Psalm 23, starting in verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a great psalm. And uh, great truths are all in it. So let's uh, jump back to verse 1 and start there. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Now, what is he saying? You know, other translations say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They, the NIV puts be in there, but oh, I, that's what I have up there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, so what is he saying here? Is he saying that we should never have any desires as a person or never have any wants? Well, that's not, that's not the case, and that's not even realistic. And as you go through Scripture, there's a lot of verses about uh, 
about us presenting our requests to God and, and giving our desires to him, and he will fulfill the desires of your heart. So, so if you're just to isolate this one scripture, it would look like, oh, we're not supposed to want anything in life. But that's not the truth that David's getting at here. And I like what another trans, how another translation puts it. Um, there's a few translations that say it like this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Our almighty God is our shepherd, so we have everything that we need in him, right? He's our love, our joy, our peace, our patience, our kindness, our goodness, our faithfulness, our gentleness, our self-control. These things that our souls crave, he can satisfy. He's what we really, really want in life. He's our fulfillment. He's our purpose. He's, He's the relationship that we desire. He's the love that we crave. Everything that we need is found inside the character of God. He is our fulfillment. We have all that we need in him. But what about all the other stuff? What about the materialistic things? Because we need, you know, food and clothes and money and, and, you know, shelter. We need all of those things, too, in our lives. What about that? Well, the good news is that it's the shepherd's job to make sure the sheep are taken care of. And it's the sheep's job to follow the shepherd in obedience. And And it's the same way in our relationship with God. It's God's job to make sure that we are taken care of, and it's our job to follow him in obedience. As for all those other side things, all those things in life, God's got that. What's the saying? That it, the saying is that God owns the cattle on a thousand hill, right? He has all the materials we would ever need. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25, going through verse 34. It says this, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need him. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we have the good shepherd. We have our provider. We have all that we need because of him. But here's the problem. Here's the issue. It's a lot easier for me to trust in what I want than in what he wants for me. It's a lot easier for me to trust in what I want. And I think that David starts out this psalm reminding himself of this because it's easier to forget. It's easy to forget that God has all that we need. See, I don't know about you, but I'm really selfish. I'm really selfish and I, I want the quick fix, right? And when I wake up in the morning, my, my first thought isn't about how I can, how I can um, be this world-changing person. My first thought is about me, right? I wake up in the morning wanting to spend my time my way, wanting to do what I want to do, wanting to be, do whatever makes me happy. It's all about me when I wake up in the morning. 
Um, side note, that's why devotions are good in the morning, because it recenters us. But um, I wake up in the morning thinking about me. And I'm sure that you don't struggle with that at all, but um, I do. And whenever I think I'm doing a good job, uh, the way that I live my life uh, betrays me, right? Because I'll be driving down the road, and um, I can't believe that there's all these other cars that are in my way, right? Driving at different speeds than I want to drive, right? Or maybe uh, when you're shopping, we've all had this moment where you're shopping and you see that other, you're walking towards the checkout line and you see somebody that's like the same distance away going towards the same checkout line. And all of a sudden, like the Lord's anointing gets on your steps and you are right there, right? Right there to get that spot. And I, I'm guilty of little things like that all the time, or even the remote control, right? Like who, I, I have to have the remote control. It has to be about the show that I want to watch. See, too easily my life can be centered on me and I can actually become controlled by my own wants. But when I focus on my wants, I can't see beyond myself. And then something happens. I start to think that I'm the shepherd. I start to think that I'm the shepherd. I get that, that role reversed. And I, I try to twist God to do my will. I don't know if you've ever prayed in your prayers and had a lot of suggestions for God, but I, I can be guilty of that often. And then, I, and then I even have the audacity to get mad at God when he doesn't respond the way that I want him to. But when, I, when I'm acting like that, I've forgotten one simple truth, and that's this, that the shepherd knows best. That the shepherd knows best. That his ways are higher than my ways. That he is God, I am not, and he is the one in control. So instead of living my life focused on my wants, I need to ask myself, what does he want for me? And then submit to that. And here's the kicker. That's always better anyway. I'm just a sheep. I don't even know what I really need, but he does. And so when I submit to him, I end up better off. And I think that's a really important part of this, um, of this psalm. And that's why David started out reminding us that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I need to live with him, not in my wants. All right, verse number two says this. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And we're going to sneak into verse three says he restores my soul. Green pastures and quiet waters seem like a good place to be. And northern Minnesota is full of both of those things, right? And like people will take and spend vacation time and they will spend a lot of money just to be up where there is quiet waters um, and maybe some good fishing. I don't think that's in here, but it's probably in the message um, version of the Bible. And, um, you know, quiet waters and green pastures. People want to go there. So why does David say that God makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I was praying about that, and the Holy Spirit illuminated it in my brain. He said this. He said, sheep don't always see the shepherd's perspective. You see, we're the same way. Sometimes we don't see God's perspective for our life. So we'll stop at what's less than God's best, or we'll go far beyond what is good for us. Sometimes God has to make us lie down in green pastures, or lead us beside quiet waters because he knows what's best for us. We can all get in seasons where we feel stuck, right? I'm sure there's been some season in your life where you've asked God, why am I still here? You know, like the Florida School of Discipleship, it's a three-year program. You're supposed to go for three years and then graduate. And we were stuck there for seven years, right? Like, it's like, God, haven't I learned, like, my lesson yet? Like, why don't I get to go back? And and obviously my time there was great, and I'm not saying that, but there were seasons where I was like, God, why am I still here? I don't understand um, why I'm still here. 
God, shouldn't I have moved on? But you see, God's definition of green pastures and quiet waters is different than mine. God's definition is different than mine. And it's right in verse 3. He says, he restores my soul. See, God is more concerned with my soul than anything else. He's more concerned with what's going on inside me than, my, than, than anything else that's going on. He doesn't want me to be rich, happy, or successful at the expense of my soul. So sometimes he'll put me in a place, and sometimes he'll make me stay in a place that's actually quiet waters and green pastures for my soul, but it doesn't feel like that to the rest of me. It doesn't feel like that to the rest of me. See, God is soul-focused, so his definition of green pastures and quiet waters can be different than mine. But the kicker is that it's, his definition is always better than mine anyway. And so we have two choices with our relationship with our shepherd. We can fight his process or we can be faithful to where he called us to be. See, I don't know where everyone is at in this room, but I do know this. Romans 8.28 says that God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I also know that every situation that we're in, every circumstance in our life has passed through the hand of a sovereign God. And he has the power to move us on at the drop of a hat. He can take you out of the storm or he can take you out of the season that you're in at the drop of the hat. He's a king over our circumstances. So if you're still stuck somewhere, then maybe he's not done with you yet there. Maybe there's something you need to learn. Maybe you need to rest in that green pasture, quiet water, and ask him instead of saying, God, take me away from this. God, take me beyond this. Ask him, Lord, what do I need to learn in the middle of this? Because I trust you and I trust your process. So if you're stuck today, if you feel stuck, I would encourage you, trust his process. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. All right, uh, moving on to the second part of verse three, it says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His name's sake. And Sometimes the Holy Spirit will highlight things in my Bible for me. And the, that phrase, for his name's sake, popped out. Popped out to me when I was studying this. You see, it's not, as a sheep, it's not about me. It's about the shepherd. He guides me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake, not mine. A lot of times I can think that my walk of faith is all about me and getting what I want. But it's not about me. In fact, my whole life is about him and bringing him glory and helping further his kingdom. So instead of, being, instead of thinking that I'm on the path of righteousness for my own sake, my prayer should be this. It should be, God, spend me as you will. My whole life is yours. Everything I have, my family, my money, my talents, my dreams, my hopes, all of it is yours. God, spend me as you will. I'm just honored that I get to be in relationship with you. You see, as Christians, it can be we have to be really careful not to use God as a means to an end, as a means to an end. What do I mean by that? I work with young people a lot, and I hear things a lot of times like this, and, and they'll say, you know, I want to be the next Billy Graham, or I want to be the pastor of a mega church that has 10,000 people in it, or this, that, or the other. And those are great goals, but sometimes we have to pause and look at our motivation. Is it really that you want to further God's kingdom, or is it that you want to do something that makes your name great, but you're going to put a little bit of Christian on it so it's, so it's socially acceptable now. And that's just one example, but I find myself doing this in my life all the time. I, I want to use God to make my name great, but I'm not on the path of righteousness for my name's sake. I'm on for his name's sake. 
It's about his kingdom. And if God calls me to be the best janitor in the world, then I'm going to be the best janitor in the world. Why? Because I already have the prize, and that's a relationship with the shepherd. I already have what I want. I don't need to be on the path of righteousness for my name's sake. It's for his name's sake and to build his kingdom. All right, verse number four, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the thing that really, you know, we've all heard that verse a million times. The thing that really catches my attention about this is that there's no pause between verse three and four. Never says that he got off the path of righteousness and got stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. A lot of times, you know, we'll be going through hard seasons in our life, and that's what Satan says. He's like, oh, you're outside of God's will. Well, I don't know. You might be in the middle right now of the valley of shadow of death. It might be family problems. It might be financial problems. It might be an addiction. It might be just a dry season in your relationship with God. But that doesn't mean that you're off the path. It doesn't mean that he's done with you yet. It doesn't mean that that your shepherd is no longer with you. See, I don't know who in this room is struggling or in the middle of their valley, but I do know this, that God is with you because the shepherd never leaves his sheep. And it says that. It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with you in the middle of the struggle. We serve a God that wants to be with us in the middle of our ugly seasons. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't say, you have to get it all together. Well, what Satan will do is he'll say, oh, you're in the middle of verse four. You're in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Time to give up. Because he's scared of verse 5 and 6. He's scared of what God's going to do in your life. So he tries to get you to give up in the middle of that season. Sometimes the path of righteousness takes you right through a hard season. But what the rewards are on the other side of it, and we can't give up in the middle of it. Jesus said it like this. He said in John 16, in this world, you will have many troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, I don't have to be afraid in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death because the shepherd, my shepherd, is stronger, more powerful, he's bigger, and more loving than any problem that I could ever face. And the same thing for you. Our God is so great. His love is greater. His grace is greater. His peace is more powerful than any issue that we could go through. So if you are obediently walking in righteousness, you will overcome. Just like that video we saw before before the sermon. You will overcome. You just can't give up in the middle of that season because he's right there with you. His rod and his staff will comfort you. His guidance and his protection will comfort you and pull you through that moment and get you to your verse five, which says this. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, David had just come out of this season and he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When the shepherd is present, the sheep doesn't need to be worried about the enemies. Why? Because the shepherd can take care of them. Shepherd can take care of them. They don't have to be worried about it. And I don't know what your enemies are in your life, the things that want to seek out, seek you out and destroy you, but I can tell you from my life what it was. It was an addiction to pornography. When I was in high school, I grew up in church. I did, I did the church thing, but the sin was, it was so prevalent in my life. And it wanted to destroy me. It wanted to, to ruin me from the inside out. And one time I, I, I couldn't overcome it by myself. And then one time in, in, a, in a season of prayer, I remember the Lord said, when is enough enough? When are you, when are you done? When are you going to come to me? And I said, okay, Lord, I'm done. I can't beat this on my own. I need your help. I need your grace. And the Lord came and through, through his empowering spirit and through a, steps of accountability and a long journey, I'm totally free from that. But here's the thing. 
not only am I totally free from that, but now the Lord has allowed me to use that testimony to help other young men that are struggling with this and get down and help walk them out of that addiction. So what Satan had intended for evil, God has intended for good. See, God wants to take you and flip your script on your enemies. God wants to take what the enemy wants to use to destroy you and flip the script and allow you to be victorious in that and to help other people and further the kingdom and help bring freedom to those around you. And it has nothing to do with whether or not I'm strong enough or good enough because I'm not. But he is a good shepherd and he wants to empower me. It says that you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Why does God anoint us? When you see people get anointed in the Old Testament, it's for two things. It's to give them authority and to empower them to live out the calling that they have on their lives. See, God wants to flip your script. And maybe you came in here today just getting beat up by your enemies. Your good shepherd is here with you, and he wants to flip the script. He wants to give you victory, and it has nothing to do with you earning it or striving or anything like that. Him, by his grace, he wants to empower you to have victory over those things. We just have to come to him and follow him in obedience. In verse number six, it says this, bringing it home. It says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the most important thing about the shepherd is that he loves his sheep. He loves them desperately. Every single one of us in here, God loves desperately. God loves you. And not only does he love you, not only will his love follow you, but his goodness will follow you. So it's not a begrudging love. It's not a love that says, oh, I wish they would just get it, just get it right next time. It's not a mean love. It's not a manipulating love. It's a good love. Surely his love and his goodness will follow me all the days of my life. And I have the opportunity to tap into that anytime that I want. I have access to him because I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How? Let's rewind back to John 10 verse 11. Because Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You see, God loved every person in this room and every person on this planet so much that he was willing to die for us even when we were screw-ups, even when we were mistakes, even when we, even when we were actively rebelling against and hurting him. He chose to die for us because he wanted to be with us, because he wanted us to dwell with him forever. So surely his goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives, and I can, we can dwell with him forever. So like I said at the beginning, the big idea of this is God is the good shepherd, Jesus is the good shepherd. So how does this change you? And hopefully the Holy Spirit's been speaking something in your heart today. Hopefully something about this message has popped up and and the Lord wants to change your life with that. As As we end today, ask yourself this question. What did God say to you and what are you going to do about it? You see, there's three There's three types of people in this room. There are those that have never, ever had this relationship with God. They've never had a relationship with with him. You've never met Jesus as your shepherd, as your savior, as your Lord. That's what he wants to be. He wants to save you from the mistakes, the sins that you've made. And he wants to enter in a relationship with you and then be your Lord and teach you how to live life the right way and walk with you in this journey. And all you have to do is ask him because he paid the price already. Some of us in this room, man, God's really working on something in our hearts, and we have a little bit of unfinished business. And in a couple minutes, right after um, I pray, we're going to dismiss. But if you have unfinished business, these altars are going to be open, and 
the prayer team's gonna come when I start praying and you have opportunity either to pray by yourself or pray with one of them to kind of seal what the Holy Spirit is speaking in your heart. So if that's you today, I would encourage you come down here and really cement what the Lord is trying to do in your life. But then for, for a lot of us in this room, it's just taking it home. It's just taking the, the truth that God has that God has planted in you and applying it in your life and taking it out of these doors and making it real where you go. So today, um, if, the, if you uh, want to meet Jesus for the first time or you have unfinished business, after I pray this prayer, uh, the prayer team will be up here and you'll have the opportunity to come and meet with them and talk with them and pray with them or by yourself and the altars will be open. Uh, otherwise, after I'm done praying, uh, we'll be fully dismissed. So dear Lord, I thank you, God, that you are our good shepherd. God, I thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you protect us, that you guide us. God, that you are with us in the the valley. God, that we don't have to be controlled by our wants and our desires because of you. Thankful for this relationship that we can have with you, God. I pray today for those that don't know you, God, that maybe this is their first time in church or their first time even considering entering into a relationship with you. God, I pray that you would not let them walk out of this room without meeting you. Lord, I pray for those of us that, that maybe we need to cement this in our heart, God, that they would come to the altar, Lord, and that we would have a moment, God, not to, God, not to pad any numbers or anything like that, God, but that we would have an encounter with your presence so we can be changed and walk away new and have something, something revitalizing and refreshing happening in our soul. And Lord, I pray for everyone else in this room, Lord, that they that they know what you're speaking to them, God. I pray that they would take it out of this room and not, not forget it, God, but, Lord, that there would be um, just an application and, and a changed life because of it. Holy Spirit, you are amazing, and you want to encounter us today, and I thank you that you're a God that cares about every one of us. Lord, I pray that you bless these dear people and let them have a fantastic week this week. In your name, amen.